If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas, and thanks once again for listening to our entertainment podcast. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. What's going on, everybody? Each week, we'll provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. Today, in honor of the 35th anniversary of its initial theatrical release, we'll be taking a look back at Back to the Future. And we'll also be going through part four of our 10 over 10 series with a look back at the film Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I like to call this episode our time travel twofer. And we got a lot to celebrate today. First off, this is our 26th episode. We are halfway to a year. I never thought we would get here, but we did. But it's 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 encouraging to know that we we've we've come this far. And yes. but another reason to celebrate is that we have not one but two guest hosts. This is epic. It's like the biggest crossover event since Avengers Infinity War. You may <laughs> or, say this is crazy. Maybe not as big as that, but at least bigger than the Justice League, for sure. Joining us today, <laughs> I'm really excited for this, are the hosts of the SBR podcast, Cliff and Joe. Welcome to Yay. the show, guys. What's up, guys? Hey. This might be the worst thing that ever happened to your podcast, but we're here. I we're beg here. to disagree. It's it's better than Justice League, though. Low bar, low bar. <laughs> That's true. And Suicide Squad. Yes, Facts. yes. Facts. Even though it might be the Snyder Cut. Oh boy, which I am really curious about, by the way. But just wanted to see. I just want to get a gauge for for how you guys are doing. A lot happening in the world today. So maybe uh, maybe I can ask just you guys first. Bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, Cliff and Joe, how are you guys doing? Uh, I, I'm doing well. Uh, we're you know we're keeping our podcast going. Uh, Great. We try our best. Uh, we had errors. We don't we're, have the fancy software like you guys. <laughs> we're uh, surviving. There's not a ton happening in the sports world, if, if, in case you're not aware. But uh, you not know, much. a lot of Gronk, a lot of WWE. Yes. <laughs> Surprisingly, a lot of Gronk. Yes, he's everywhere. He's, <laughs> He's done a lot of stuff, <laughs> but yeah, we, you know we're keeping it alive. We're doing the best we can. We're scrounging out as many little tidbits of sports content that we can. We yeah. did an interesting episode uh, two two episodes ago where we did a multiverse episode of, <laughs> yeah. of SBR, which was. Some people were like, what is going on? I was walking through Costco and I was like, what? I don't get it. Did something happen? This is kind of a multiverse episode, I, I think. Worlds collide. It's yeah. like DC meets Marvel here. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh-oh. We'll who's, who, who's who, though? Who's yeah, that's the question. Uh, I, I don't we're know. DC. We have nothing, Joe. We have nothing. Don't pretend. Can we Can we at least be the Nolan DC? Can we, yes. Can we yes. At you guys can be the Nolan, Nolan DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Will and I are, are the Netflix Marvel universe. Oh, <laughs> not the cinematic okay, universe. Okay. Just don't be Iron Fist. Just no. No. Just oh, not <laughs> Yeah, but we're doing well. We're doing well. How are you guys doing? Oh man, we're we're hanging in there, right? Will I mean for me, for us, uh, it's good to see things are reopening. At the same time, it's hard to enjoy any of it because of what's happening in the country. Um, I mean, it's been pretty strange for me. I'm so emotionally affected by everything I see and everything I read, and I'm having all these conversations with family, family and friends regarding racism and George Floyd. And a lot of our discussions don't really have any concrete answers, but I think that. You know, I think the progress isn't just asking those questions. You know, what about you, Will? It's How's information it been overload right yeah. now. It's you don't know who to trust or, 
you know, uh, how many biased opinions you hear mm. even from the networks. Mm. And it's a lot of noise and a lot to filter through. So it does get exhausting only because also you, um, well, I mean, for me and my friends, like we have these conversations about the politics and uh, the racism and like the the protests, everything that's going on. Minneapolis uh, talking about what was it deconstructing the police force and and it's insane. I have friends who are on, um, you know, most of the for the most part, like we're all on the same side, but we have very subtle differences in the way we look at it, and, and those subtle differences just create a huge conversation that just becomes crazy so it, it's a lot of that right now and uh, but other than that like i got to go to a restaurant and <laughs> get to sit down with my girlfriend <laughs> there you got go to, we got to actually you enjoy go, you know a nice sit down restaurant six feet away from everyone else so it was nice yeah, so that's good nice. yeah. and i think uh i think the world can use some happiness here and i got a good dose of it when i heard this week that the nba is coming back which automatically gives you guys a ton like literally zero to 100 in terms of, of content so I'm, I'm sure you guys are pumped about that so i just want to ask you guys from a, a sports podcast perspective what do you two think of the 22 team format and the potential playing system for the eight spots we disagreed on this actually <laughs> we did we talked uh, about it last week uh, last week we, we disagreed uh but i actually got the premise wrong so the way they're coming back actually is the seedings will be Eastern Western Conference. Uh, the eighth seed won't have like a it won't be a tournament per se, but if their standings are greater than four, they they get the eighth seed. But if it's less, then they play the ninth seed. Yeah. Um, into a they just What's have to plan? win one game, and yeah. then the ninth seed have to win two games. So uh, it, it's keeping mostly intact. Uh, I think that was Joe's thing. I didn't know he was so yeah. much of a purist. <laughs> uh, I didn't take him for the I guess I'm the anarchist in the in the relationship. Well, my well, I'm happy they're coming back, obviously, and I said that last week too. But I think for me, because if it's really different, if it was going to be completely different, it was going to be some kind of tournament format. Then I didn't want it to be like that because it would basically ruin. You know, it's already an asterisk kind of season, and you don't want it to be so crazy that it's thrown out of the record books and even if you win it doesn't really matter that much and so that was my whole thing but you know we're of course obviously we're happy that they're coming back and yeah. we are excited that we can stop talking about <laughs> the plans the the crazy things <laughs> we've been we've just been trying to find sports things anywhere and mm -hmm. there really has not been that much the nba yeah. back is going to be fun and any basketball is going to be fun but to me the largest question with all of this is will the pressure dissipate without the crowd if there's no crowd true, does that right. also take away pressure are we gonna all of a sudden see dwight howard shoot 90 percent from the free throw line <laughs> no that would be incredible but... <laughs> probably not that's probably i kind of imagine it like you know when you go with your friends to the gym and you just play but there's no audience it's just quiet i kind of imagine yeah. that being the case it's like you're see that's the thing right play. that's the thing but then all of a sudden there's some random strange girl and everyone starts playing twice as hard yeah. because they want to impress <laughs> this stranger that's a female for some reason has no yes. bearing on you of but course. they just do that's it so true yeah it's gonna Cliff be says that because that's him yeah, yeah it's, it's totally me <laughs> the new normal the new normal is is something to really you know interesting to look forward to seeing what happens yeah I, it's gonna be fun and i can't wait 
Yeah, I said this last week. I want to kind of switch back over to film um, for the rest of this uh, podcast here. But I believe in the power of arts, especially film, to change minds, to inform, and to convict society to change. With that being said, before we get to our main topics, I would love to ask each of you guys if you can name one film or one documentary that's altered how you view racism in the U.S. today. So maybe starting with you, Will. I just recently watched Just Mercy Mm -hmm. and also 13th. Mm. Uh, obviously that's like the the main drive right now there's like a list that my friends have been posting saying watch these films right now they're either they're free and, and, and like you know putting it out there like I think watching just Just Mercy and 13th Just Mercy and 13th um, it was very insightful and mm. I think that for one 13th uh, for the, as a documentary it is it is powerful and there is a lot to there's a lot to really gain as you listen and and i think that the more that people choose to research choose to listen choose to like dig in um i think the better that hopefully people will have a better understanding and Mm -hmm. will grow together in that aspect that's the hope though yeah it's it's a lot more complicated than that i'm gonna say that for now yeah so my pick was 13th as well and um you know we are a non-political show but whether you're a liberal or conservative or somewhere in the middle, I think this movie is an important watch because there are just too many facts supporting the existence of institutionalized racism to ignore. Mm-hmm. I understand that documentary filmmakers can control their own narrative, but stats are stats, and Ava DuVernay paints a persuasive and convincing picture of where mm-hmm. we stand as a country in terms of racism and the oppression of black communities. So I recommend anyone, regardless of your political standing, to check that out. I kind of cheated uh, with this question. I didn't pick a film. I picked a show. Okay. Well, I guess it, the series is also Ooh. a movie. But for me, one of the most transformative things that molded me as a kid mm-hmm. was watching X-Men. Ooh. X-Men the cartoon. <laughs> I see that. I see where just, you're going just, with just, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see just it. Just I follow sure. me with yeah. here. Uh, there, there was an arc. There was an arc in X-Men that was about mutant registration. Mm. And there was so much discrimination and hatred from humans against mutants. And they were forcing them to register with politicians intending to kill the mutants. They even created sentinels to hunt them down and kill the mutants. And also, you know, two of the main opposing characters, Magneto and Professor X, standing on opposite sides of the war with one man trying to work towards peaceful harmony with humans and another doesn't believe peace was ever an option. And with these stories being a metaphorical representation of MLK and Malcolm X and how they're handling the racial divide in the world, that actually really impacted me a lot in how, you know, the way I thought in terms of the racial divide and how, you know, humans and mutants, were they meant to coexist or were they always meant to be in eternal war? Mm -hmm. Dang, what an analogy. Boom! That's boom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you guys want, like, serious art, Please listen to the pod, fellas. If you yes. want X Men, <laughs> yeah, not even the films, the animated and, series, and which is the best ever. <laughs> the animated <laughs> series. The animated series. Yes. yes, that's what you get from SBR. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Joe? That's why we're in the back row, guys. So <laughs> no one allows us in the front. I actually also was gonna say the thirteenth, but I'll actually give. Can I give two others? Because mm-hmm. I think yeah. uh, one of the movies I saw when I was younger was Glory, mm. and um, that was a very, I think, impactful film for me. Not only because it's an amazing movie, you know, Denzel, Morgan Freeman, uh, Matthew Broderick is in it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and just, I think, in being able to see some of 
those things depicted and uh, seeing what people are fighting for. And it's just, I think it, it had a profound impact on me um, as, I don't remember exactly when I watched it, but I was definitely younger. And I didn't really understand kind of really, I would say much of anything about um, the things that the black community has gone through uh, in this country. And, but I would say one other thing, if I could say, is also a series, but it's uh, The Wire. Mm. And um, I saw that later, not when it was on TV, but afterwards I kind of binged it. And one of the things that really made me, that really impacted me about The Wire is seeing the frustration of dealing with systemic issues. Mm. Yeah. You know, because every season it kind of goes through a specific aspect of society and it goes through, okay, here's the law enforcement you know, the justice system, uh, education, you know, and when you see those things breaking down and there are these good people who are trying to do things to change the system, but they just can't, you know, they get to the end and then they find the political wall and then people just want to perpetuate the system the way it is. And, mm -hmm. you know, the way everybody's like juking the stats and the way everything is just so messed up. And when I would watch it, I would, be, and, you know, people say who, who talk about the show that it's a very kind of accurate, depiction of what Baltimore is actually like. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, this is so frustrating, you know, because there are these good people who are trying to do things, uh, who are trying to do actual good, but they can never really move the system. You know, they can't change the system. Yeah. And all they can do is impact individual lives. And so I would say that's that's a that was a big one for me that mm -hmm. You know, not that it didn't really teach me so much, but it made me feel it like, oh, gosh, I'm so frustrated. Like, why can't they fix these things? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I have been planning on seeing that. And maybe now would be a good time to start. But uh, yeah, I think we should definitely check that one out. All right. Taking a quick look at uh, some of our future episodes. Um, so Will and I will actually be switching the scope of what we're reviewing. We're going to be instead of, um, you know, just reviewing what's hitting Netflix in the next week or just reviewing what's out there. We're going to actually be taking a look at uh, films about the black community and you know we're still going to continue with our 10 over 10 series of course we're just going to pair uh, a film about the black community with one of the films on our list so the next three episodes uh, are this uh, the first one is the five bloods uh, directed by spike lee which is actually hitting netflix on friday starring nice. chadwick boseman we're going to review that and we're going to pair that up with the social network which is on our 10 over 10 list uh, the week after we're going to be looking at the documentary i am not your negro and pairing that up with gladiator and then the week after that, we will be reviewing Selma, directed by Ava DuVernay, and we'll be pairing that up with The Godfather. So really, really, really looking forward to this series. And we hope that all of you listeners can actually watch these movies in advance. So as we go through these films, we're not only going to talk about the films themselves, but also some of the issues that they discuss and that they portray. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of content, drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to tell your friends about us, let them know that our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, as well as Spotify. And now to part one of our main event, we're going to talk about Back to the Future. So here's a look at the trailer. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It was! 
It's a flying saucer from outer space. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet. Chocolate. His future father. He's a baby. Tough. Wow. And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. Just playing out loud. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown. Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. All right, that was a look at the trailer for Back to the Future. I would normally offer a synopsis of the movie here, but it's friggin' Back to the Future, so I don't think an explanation <laughs> is needed unless you've been living in a cave for the last 35 years. So I like to Dude. play this game, and I want to get your guys' honest reactions to, to some of these facts. Um, some of this you may or may not know. Some of it is common knowledge. Some of it might be little-known facts. So here we go. The Back to the Future script was rejected 40 times before Universal bought it, and Disney actually declined saying that it was a movie about incest. Yep. (laughs) Kind of is, right? Yeah. Kind of is. Incest? Definitely. It suggests that. But, like, I mean, the innocence of... But with the innocence of both the mother and the son, you know, the mom not having any clue, so we can't blame her for that, and the son knowing and doing everything he can to avoid it. (laughs) It's It's not Game of Thrones incest. It's like... No. It's... Innocent incest, if there is a kind. <laughs> I didn't, I've never heard that term yeah. before. Yeah. Innocent incest. You'll probably never hear it again, to be honest with you. All right. During production, a Universal executive sent a serious memo to producers saying he thought the film's name was confusing. How does one go back to the future? And offered a suggestion of his own. Spaceman from Pluto. Steven Spielberg responded thinking the executive for his joke, saying the entire crew got a kick out of it. Okay. First of all. <laughs> That universal executive, that universal executive probably didn't watch the film or even not read the synopsis. Like to yeah. give that, like seriously lame of a title. Yeah. Spaceman from Pluto. Like, how the freak did you get there? It's kind of. The, or yeah. is it really genius? Because was it the book that uh, George McFly was reading, like back in the day, yeah. like when he was listening to the thing and uh-huh. they were scared of Darth Vader? Was it was that the title? of the book that he used to read space because he cared about outer yeah. space right yeah yeah totally yeah i think it would have worked it, it's kind of funny you know like yeah i mean i, I could no, see either way no but. come on <laughs> come on sound come on are you cool <laughs> then back to the future like what in okay. the world don't even joke right. about that Mike. no no okay okay all right guys, sorry guys I, I was just trying to bad, right? <laughs> okay not bad it's you guys are really mean i'm just saying it's it's the 80s (laughs) all right so they're like whoa space yeah pluto who knows so uh in early drafts of back to the future the time machine was a refrigerator a gag that george lucas and steven spielberg finally got to use later to much mockery in an indiana jones movie that shall go unnamed but after (laughs) tinkering with the idea writer bob gale realized he hit gold when he decided that a delorean should be the time machine but once filming began, Universal's product placement team got an offer from Ford that would have paid $75,000 if the time machine was switched to a Mustang. And Bob Gale's iconic response was, Doc Brand don't drive a 
beep, Mustang. <laughs> so what do you think? Was the DeLorean the perfect choice for the time machine? Could you have yes. seen a Mustang? No. You're going from like, no. Like no. the DeLorean at the time was more of like a concept car and it was very out of this world kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And then the Mustang's a very iconic, well-known looking car. Yeah. And it just didn't bring anything fresh to it. I thought it was not refreshing at all. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the doors. It is yeah. the doors too. Sure. Yeah, the doors, man. Yeah. What do you call that when the doors open like that? I mean, that's that's what made the, the cool doors. The yeah. <laughs> well, they're either you if, Elon, know, if, you if we're looking at talking. if we're looking at the way Elon Musk uses it now, like the Falcon doors. Sure, yeah. I guess you can. See right. That. Yeah. And, and the refrigerator thing is that worse or the time machine, the hot tub time machine? If you could do a hot tub time <laughs> yes. machine, you could do a you refrigerator. Do anything. It's fine. Yeah. Can I just say too, like what, how? How much did he care about this refrigerator gag that he kept it in the pocket? <laughs> he kept it in his pocket yeah. for how many years? Yeah. He's like, no, dude. But every movie he's making is like, we got to get this refrigerator so gag in here. You got it in here somehow, <laughs> somewhere. And finally, they're like, guys, guys, I got it. We're going to put it in Indiana Jones. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's like, That's man. So yeah. It's hard to let things go sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Spielberg and Lucas, like, like 20 years later? Guys, guys. And they, everyone just rolls their eyes and come on the refrigerator again, <laughs> again, <No."> again. <laughs> and finally, they're just like, yeah. okay, fine, we'll, we'll do it here. All right. Joe and I still talk about the time where uh, we lost in a basketball game, mm-hmm. like a pickup basketball game, with our friends in like 2002, and we used it on the pod as an example, and I actually called them out by name. <laughs> but sometimes yeah, that's, it's just hard to let things go. You just gotta <laughs> let things go. Sometimes that's the point. <laughs> All right, so as any fan knows, Eric Stoltz, the guy who plunged the adrenaline into Uma Thurman's heart in Pulp Fiction, was the original Marty McFly, but he was fired for being too dark and brooding and in character, and basically Marty was supposed to be uh, you know, more of a comedic role. So this decision wasted about six weeks in shoots and nearly $4 million, but watching the clips of Stoltz, who's a fine actor, it's clear why the Marty move was made. In the end, the movie makers got who they wanted all along, Michael J. Fox who couldn't make the film initially because of conflicts with the sitcom family ties, but the show had to change the schedule when Meredith Baxter Burney was giving birth to twins in real life. So he pulled double duty for months. Fans might have to thank the birth of those twins for, for getting Michael J. Fox in the film. Now, let me ask you guys, was Michael J. Fox the only person that could have played Marty McFly? That's a kind of a hard question to like answer. Of course, I mean, because... I, I mean, for me, though, I didn't know who else was really around other than Michael J. Fox, like, right. playing that role. And he did it beautifully. And, and I did see, uh, actually, some of the roles of some of the video uh, clips of Eric Stoltz playing. So weird. It is very, <laughs> it is super strange. But and I totally see the whole, you know, dark kind of moody, uh, the way he's carrying himself as, as Marty. Yeah, it just didn't feel right and whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, all I can compare it to is Marty and Eric Stoltz. And I'm like, yeah, Mar- Marty, a thousand percent sure. He looks super serious. Yeah. That too. <laughs> yes. I don't think what's that, going on. Yeah. I don't think the innocent incest. Well, there you go. I'm using the term again. I don't think that would have worked with the serious, brooding, dark actor. It, it would have been <laughs> no, like seriously. Jon Snow or something. You know? Can we call it? Can we call it uh, incest? Yes. Incest. <laughs> Hashtag incest. Hashtag incest. Not, yeah. not bad. It wouldn't have felt like incest. It would have felt like whatever the opposite of yeah. incest is. Yeah. I think Just the opposite. Take, of, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Just to take it from Michael J. Fox's point of view, he he had. I I heard he only slept like six hours a day yeah. because he was shooting yeah. both movies. Uh, 
What's crazy is that he would actually... He wanted to do this. He couldn't get out of the contract, but he made his way to it for a script that got rejected 40 times mm-hmm. and you knew it was about innocent incest innocence innocent <laughs> how do you say it how do you incest come on incest um that in itself is wild mm-hmm. yeah like like uh, it is. I, I don't know if he was going to get paid a lot of money for this but for that to happen is pretty incredible yeah. so this yeah. is what he wrote um in his memoirs called a lucky man this is what michael j fox said a Teamster driver would pick me up at 9.30 a.m. and take me to Paramount, where I would spend the day rehearsing that week's show, culminating in a run-through at approximately 5 p.m. each afternoon. Then at 6, another driver would come pick him up and shuttle them to Universal Studios, or whatever far-flung location we were, we were shooting that evening, where I would work on Back to the Future until just before sunrise. At that point, I would climb into the back of another van with a pillow and a blanket, and yet another driver would take me home again, sometimes carrying me into my apartment and dropping me into bed. I'd catch two or three hours of sleep before Teamster driver number one would reappear in my apartment, let himself in with a key I provided, brew a, pot of pot, brew a pot of coffee, turn on the shower, and then rouse me to start the whole process all over again. What dedication, man. How did he not die? He was <laughs> 22. Again, crazy, man. Yeah, there, there you go. Jeez. If he was Youth. 40, yeah, yeah no. he would have died. I would have died. <laughs> I, couldn't do, I couldn't do that at 20. No. <laughs> Joe and I were waiting for the Matrix 2 to come out for the longest time. Yeah. And he, he, we had a, there was like a 2 a.m. showing. Mm-hmm. 2 a.m. And this is college. He woke me up. He's like, hey, let's go watch it. You, you and I, we've been waiting. We made a pact. And I said, no. If only Cliff had a Teamster driver, though, then maybe. And <laughs> maybe. a cup of coffee yeah. in the then morning. Maybe. In college, I couldn't make my 10 a.m. <laughs> classes because I was too tired. This was consistent. <laughs> 10 a.m.? Yeah, too early. <laughs> too early all right guys those were some facts some did you know about back to the future i wanted to move on into uh, our film reviews um so just wanted to ask you guys maybe starting with cliff what your thoughts were of back to the future when you had first seen it iconic it's yeah. one of the first movies that i watched 10 plus times mm. um, wow. yeah it's one of the first and you don't get tired of it because it's so joke. It was one of the first things where um, you could just leave it on and it makes you feel good. Just like having it around, yeah. having it being on. And a lot of that is Michael J. Fox, um, you know, being himself and the relationship with him and Doc Brown. For some reason, it's not creepy. It's actually really fun. <laughs> and all <laughs> of those things creepy. like, yeah, today it would be creepy, right? <laughs> Why is this popular high school kid hanging out with this really crazy mad scientist who hangs out by himself building crazy things? I don't know. Uh, You just brush it off. You just brush it off. Um, (laughs) But the whole thing is so good. Like uh, just this entire from start to beginning, the concepts um, and just the way it makes you feel. So it I love it. I I think it was really well done. Yeah, it's one of those movies that is just so enjoyable. It's so, it's kind of like when you watch it, you smile the whole time while you're watching it. And there are very few films, I'd say today, that have that kind of tone that can keep that throughout a film. Everything now is extremely dramatic. You know, it's extremely heavy or it's kind of dumb like it's just like you just don't care enough to to have that much enjoyment of it it's just you know it's not like a 
comedy per se i mean it's comedic but it's not like super they're not having jokes you know constantly yeah it's an adventure yeah and i I feel like that genre is just kind of almost gone yeah there are very few films that that are able to do that anymore and so yeah same thing i it was that star wars and indiana jones were like three of the films that i saw a million times Mm. (laughs) i would like get them from the library for free to rent on vhs (laughs) and um i yeah i loved it so much and it kind of defines you know that genre of movie for me i want to remind all of our listeners that this film as well as terminator were based on original ideas it wasn't based off of like ip intellectual property it wasn't on a comic book these guys invented this stuff and it's just something that we just don't really see anymore what about you, Will? So I can't remember if I watched this film the f- for the first time in Korea or in the States, but the bottom line is, like, I loved every bit of it, even when I didn't understand some of the context and issues, such as, like, time travel and uh, incest. Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I was pretty young. <laughs> Inicest. Inicest. I was, I was young, so I was also innocent. So, uh, But what I loved about the film was how it lit up my imagination on time travel and the amazing visual effects and production design of like the DeLorean. I loved how it was set in the 50s with the wardrobe, the music, the architecture, and the 50s vernacular. Like, Even when set in the 80s, they really did an amazing job with everything stated previously, especially the music and score. Like When it comes to an mm-hmm. addictive tune, Huey Lewis and yeah. the news hit it out of the park with Back in Time and the Power of Love. Yeah. Like it oh, was, power of love. love is my jam. It is just, <laughs> it's yeah, my you, jam. it doesn't matter how old. It could be a year 3000 and yeah. that song will it's still the power kick. Of yeah. love. And yeah. he's in the movie. <laughs> exactly. the, the judge. Yeah. 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 And it really felt this film was ahead of its time. And I'm so glad Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis stay true to their visions, you know, even at the cost of $4 million. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like favorite, like just one of my favorite scenes like i'm sure we'll all have similarities but like the one i always enjoyed was like the simple line from biff when he tries to threaten marty in the lunchroom saying why don't you make like a tree and get out of here (laughs) (laughs) the worst threatening fail and yet one of the funniest moments for me yes (laughs) amazing oh man what about you myron um so i had originally only seen clips of back to the future um and then i actually saw part two first so my first like vision of Back to the Future was with Marty behind the scenes of Back to the Future 1 in Back to the Future 2, if that makes sense. <laughs> Which, yeah. by the way, can we give this film credit for The Prisoner of Azkaban? I'm just saying. When they go back in time and they're hiding from their current present selves. I watched it all the way through later. Uh, this movie has one of the tightest screenplays ever from a structural mm-hmm. standpoint. Every little detail that's presented or set up earlier in the film pays off. You can tell they spent a lot of time developing it. And there are even like little smaller details that they present. Like for example, that scene where Marty puts the Walkman on George and like threatens him to uh, go ask Lorraine out. Like they took the time to show that Marty had that Walkman with him in the DeLorean by just having the camera linger on that, on, on the device just for like an extra few seconds. No one takes the care, I feel like anymore these days to really make sure that every little thing that we see later is shown and set up from even before that. Michael J. Fox is comic gold. I think he doesn't get enough credit for being such an amazing physical actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's short and isn't your traditional masculine, masculine league, but somehow he manages to be cool, physically capable, 
Um, and at the same time, he's a total klutz. He's like tripping all over the place here in, in this film. He does it all, and yet you still want to be him. And I think pulling off all of those elements of, of Marty is really, really hard to do. Um, love the score, like you guys said. Uh, I think it's like one of the most iconic scores from someone, from anyone without the last name Williams. Uh, and the other thing I love is that this movie doesn't insult the intelligence of the viewer. So basically, it's almost as if we're all in on the joke, and we see before they even explain it in the movie that, like, you know, if like Marty changed this little aspect of the past. So you know, when he shows up at the home and the house is different and everything is cool, it's like nothing is explained to you because the viewer just kind of gets it. They know what happened and they're able to put two and two together. I feel like people just don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than anything else, I mean, honestly, this movie doesn't really stand for anything. There's no deeper meaning. It's just a damn good adventure movie and really the perfect popcorn flick. So. Well, I want to ask you guys, just to just throw this question out there. We can all chime in however way you want to. Does this movie still hold up? Is there anything about it that feels aged or dated? Or do you still just feel like a kid again watching it? I was just going to say the mm-hmm. cultural impact of the movie mm-hmm. has held, right? Mm-hmm. When was it? 2015? When everyone was picking apart all the predictions mm-hmm. that Back to the Future had? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When was it? I think 2012. When Nike came out with the shoe yeah. from yeah. Back to the, the Future Mag. 2. Yeah. Yeah. Air Mag. And people were spending $1,100, $1,200, $12,000 for, for an yeah. issue. DeLoreans are still cool. If you see a DeLorean out on the street, people will take pictures with it. They'll, they'll pull their phone out on the freeway and just put their lives in danger <laughs> to shoot the DeLorean <laughs> yeah. and post it to their Instagram completely. Anytime I see, I get close to 88 miles per hour on my car, mm-hmm. I always like push back. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, we've got a time travel. Same, same with when I press Nas for Fast and the Furious. It's just, it just happens, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think the question of whether a movie holds up has a lot to do with, like you said, the script is so tight. Yeah. And that's one of the things, obviously, that I love about this film. Um, it's just, in terms of storytelling, it's so good. Uh, everything that's paid off is you know planted early right it's set up and yeah. the, it's like set up and payoff is the basic i think yeah. uh that's the basic rule foundation right for storytelling yeah. yeah that's the that's the foundation of scripts and a lot of times people will point to things like like coincidences you know in a film and mm-hmm. they'll say like oh that's such a coincidence how did they know that that would happen or you know they're so lucky that that happens at that moment but in actuality, nobody really cares about that. If you're watching a movie, there are going to be coincidences because yeah. if there are no coincidences, then why is there a movie about this? It's yeah. just a thing that happened, you know, yeah, normally. Exactly. And so that's not really the thing that people kind of don't like. What people don't like is like deus ex machina. It's like something coming out of nowhere to yeah. solve a problem. Mm-hmm. But like you said, in Back to the Future, everything is set up. Even in the first scene, you know, the news report, plutonium, and then they show the plutonium yeah. and then he calls him. And there's so much exposition, yeah. even just there in the beginning that you don't realize is happening until later in the film. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing because mm. they set it up so well. Yeah. Like the clock tower, yeah. the lightning Save strike, the you know, tower. he has the paper. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? And it's presented in such a way where it all makes sense within the context of the film. And that's at the end of the day, that's all you care about. Yeah. You care about that they earned it. Right, that they earned the ending, yeah. and Back to the Future so good at that. Seriously, and actually so the effects are pretty good. Even like even yeah, watching it now, up. it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, so I I think it totally holds up. Yeah, what's what's fun and amazing though is just how, and and pun intended, like they future proof this film, because when mm. the twenty fifth anniversary came back in two thousand ten, that was where they um, basically reopened the theaters to view 
Back to the Future again because it was in 2010, I believe, that Marty uh, goes into the future, I believe, uh, or or in, in like in uh, and then like the specific date. And I thought that is so fun, like to 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 even think that like that was something I even know if the director really thought about or the writers to think that that mm-hmm. was going to be revisited in that sense. And um, to go off your point from the whole visual effects and the, from a technical standpoint, like I this film has transformed special and visual effects to what it is today. I think Mm -hmm. that being said, like, you know, the old ways of doing things are of course obsolete, but in terms of like, like the concept of time travel, like, and the way how they're like really thinking about that, like I would say it held its ground with like the consequences of altering past occurrences, like all those things. So meticulous. Yeah. But I, going back to what you're saying, Myron, it's like, they they made it fun. They, they, They didn't make it so like, have you know how certain movies are today very psychological or philosophical and all these like this is a actual popcorn essence film entertainment movie you know yeah. this is what it, it what what films should be in that sense yeah. i feel yeah just so. going back kind of, kind of to what you're saying even like with that whole time travel scene it set all the rules of time travel in a way that we just easily understood it and then didn't have to explain it again and we were fully <laughs> listening in when yomari has the video camera before the the libyan terrorists come in and ruin their night which by the way like the libyan terrorists the libyans <laughs> <laughs> i know and it's like why 88 miles per like that makes yeah. no sense whatsoever why would you have to get fast enough why does 88 <laughs> miles per yeah, hour yeah. generate the what they call gigawatts yeah. which what, probably should be gigawatts, gigawatts right like we know <laughs> yeah, but it's like it really screws them in in Back to the Future Three because yeah. it's like oh right, it's so yeah. hard to get to eighty eight. <laughs> yeah, for me this movie is timeless because it's about time travel. So each of the decades that they're in, um, it still stands as is. So it's a movie that takes place in eighty five, and this movie is about time travel and the times that that they they visit. So fifty five, nineteen fifty five. You see it, and that's what 1955 is supposed to look like. You see 1985, and that's what 1985 is supposed to look like. And we are looking back on the 80s through the lens of the 2020s, and as someone that actually lived through that time. So to me, there's nothing in the movie that feels dated. Um, And to be honest, like I have no objectivity when watching this movie. I rewatched it last night, and my wife was just like, you know, um, on her phone. And I was just sitting next to her, like laughing by myself and smiling the entire time. And she's giving me weird looks like, what are you, what? Like, that, was that, that funny? Often. And I'm just that like, happens yeah. happens often in my yeah. house. I think it probably happens to all of us, to be honest, honest with you oh, guys. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I can't stop grinning whenever I watch this movie. It's just so fun. Um, it's right up there with the 80s trilogies that, that we all love so much. Like Joe was saying, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. And E.T. wasn't a trilogy, but I feel like E.T. and Back of the Future mm. captures that same, like, like nostalgia and emotion uh, that inside of me. I feel like I'm a kid again. So with that being said, uh, I want to ask each of you guys, uh, Will and I rate our movies, uh, you know, whenever we watch them. What is your rating of this film? Maybe starting with you first, Will. Oh, man, I give this a 4.5. I mean, I think it was ahead of its time with awesome ideas of what the future would look like, mm-hmm. sparking the imagination and excitement of what the future holds. And as a film, it held everything so well intact, from the vision to the story to the crew, like, everything was just so cohesive and mm-hmm. i love it yeah i loved it so much cool cool how about you uh, joe i mean i want to just give it a five but i don't know what <laughs> what is the uh the, the ceiling for you guys on your <laughs> on your kind of scoring. just make a stance joe yeah, make a stand. <laughs> seven no 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 yeah so i give it a <laughs> 
I just, I'll just give it a five. I, we're never coming back on here anyway. So, you know. <laughs> I'll give it a five. Yeah, People their can't. listeners are going to be like, why'd you invite these guys? <laughs> Ruining your this ranking gonna, system. This isn't going to conflict with anything else I ever say. So, you know, I'll give it a five. Because, and I think it's because, you know, and, and I know you guys sent us some stuff. And I got really, I think what, what kind of threw me off was uh, it says like four to five stars, best picture nominee slash winner material. And I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put this in that kind of, oh, that yeah. kind of category as a piece of art. But what I would say is because of the genre it's in and kind of what it hopes to accomplish within its own, you know, within its own storytelling device, like I think they do exactly what they want to do, mm-hmm. you know. So as yeah. a piece of like high art, would I say like it's one of the greatest films? No, I mean, I wouldn't say that. But in terms of just watching it, are you going to enjoy it? And is it going to be tight and the music's going to be great and it's going to elicit the kind of feelings that you want when you watch this kind of film? I mm-hmm. would say absolutely so on yeah. that front i just give it a five okay cool nice. how about you cliff i i am gonna go by my own rankings because <laughs> <laughs> march to the beat of your own drummers here <laughs> so i'm gonna give it five stars and here's the reason why for everything you guys all said but also i know if i recommend this movie I can recommend it with all my heart. Mm. Just say, mm. watch it. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. You'll like it. I can hype it. It'll be fine. And it's yeah. going to work out. You know. And so to me, that's what five stars is to me. Does it deserve an Oscar? Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if it was nominated. Yeah. But I, I, I give it a five because I know confidently that I can enjoy it anytime I watch yeah. it and enjoy it. And know that someone else will enjoy it when I recommend it. Yeah, it is one of those films that you can hype up so much and not be disappointed. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times when we hype up, you films can't nowadays, overhype this movie. Yeah, yeah, like films nowadays, when you hype it, people go in with the thought of like, all right, well, my friend said it was really good. Let's go see it, and and just somehow it just doesn't turn out the way that yeah, you know. They, from what their friends are telling them kind of thing because you can't predict innocent incest you can't predict <laughs> yeah. that's gonna be the storyline nope. it's incest okay it's and i incest- brought it all back <laughs> and they're in an incestual relationship set up payoff <laughs> boom that's the theme of this <laughs> yeah oh the yeah. incest all right so i give it five stars too um you know and this isn't the kind of movie that gets nominated for best picture but yet at the same time it is a perfect movie i can't really pick anything out that isn't that doesn't work there's no deeper meanings to this film like i said but it's just pure popcorn <laughs> flick nirvana and let's be honest the cultural impact of this movie i think cliff you mentioned it like the whole auto lacing shoes it didn't exist but the people at nike made it exist because of the movie and yep. now guys in the nba are using auto lacing technology and that never would have happened if not for back to the future that no, is the level that. of impact yeah not not like not i think all thanks to tinker hatfield yeah he's the one that yeah tinker it, so yeah you have the shoes right you have auto lacing shoes will i have the lows yeah the low uh mags yeah and they're awesome yeah it's it's crazy it's just crazy how they work and uh how we've gone come, come so far so yeah yeah so yeah, thank I you. Wished, yeah, I yeah. wish they kind of laced up a little bit faster, but you know. <laughs> First world problems. Will. <laughs> Dear Tinker Hadfield, damn it, it's not like the movie. Come on, Tinker, it's, it's not slow. like the movie. Yeah. Instant. I want it instant now. Yeah. You want instant. Innocent, incest, instant. In- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jeez. Oh. All right. 
So that was our review of Back to the Future. Uh, we're going to take a break and uh, look at the trailers for next week's films, and then we're going to return with part four of our 10 over 10 series as we look back at the film Terminator 2 Judgment Day. We'll be back. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. Dead man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. Hey, I have no place to stay. Hey. We bury it. Made own, we come back and collect. I shall resign the presidency. Being back here, it is not easy. You broken man. So what, you blaming yourself? You don't even know. No! We've been dying for this country from the bad kit. Now the time is There are things to realize. We give this call to our people. Hold on! In my line of work, I have to be very careful. And that means knowing exactly who I am in business with. substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles. I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours? Thousand. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it says. So did we? A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster than any of us ever imagined it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't wait to stand over your shoulder and watch you write as a check. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Is there anything that you need to tell me? Your actions could have permanently destroyed everything I've been working on. We have been working on. Did you like being a joke? Do you want to go back to that? Mark! This is our time. You're being accused of intentionally breaching security, violating copyrights, violating individual privacy. Your best friend is suing you for $600 million. 
As for the charges, I believe I deserve some recognition from this board. So that was a look at the trailers for next week's films. And now we are here with part two of our main event and also part four of our 10 over 10 series, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Once again, no synopsis needed here. We're going to play Did You Know one more time, just like we did with Back to the Future. So first, let's talk money. The film's budget was $102 million, the highest ever at the time. The movie earned $204 million domestic and $519 worldwide, highest grossing movie of the year. So I think the moral of the story here is give Cameron whatever he wants. <laughs> whatever money he asks for, just give him, just give it to him. <laughs> and literally, it did this for what? Uh, Terminator 2, highest, highest, like, you know, highest budget. And then Titanic was the highest budget. And I believe Avatar was also the highest budgeted film. That's three in a row. And he literally knocked it out of the park with every single damn movie. He's literally too big to fail, I think. <laughs> Do you guys think he's going to fail at one point, at some point, or no? Um, well, didn't he direct Piranha 2? That's a good question. I don't <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. I, th- I, I think you know that, was that was his first film, oh. and... But yeah, no, he's no, he's too big to fail. Yeah, <laughs> at this he, point, even LeBron didn't make the playoffs in the beginning. Yeah, okay, <laughs> exactly. We all got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right, little anecdote here: disillusioned from being in Rome and suffering from a fever, Cameron had a nightmare about an invincible robot hitman sent from the future to assassinate him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which made me wonder what, what he, he ate or what he drank or what he took that day. <laughs> it definitely led... took. <laughs> yeah, I freaking love that dude. But that led to the inspiration for the original Terminator movie. So I, I wanted to remind everybody, original idea. <laughs> I, I wish all films were created in these circumstances. Yes. yes. <laughs> that is crazy. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. Hopefully COVID that. will create some ideas for certain people. Who knows? Yeah. Amazing films. Next time you have a nightmare and you remember it, just make a script out of it. And I think yes. it'll do. I've done that many times and it's come to nothing. (laughs) I have also done that and it hasn't worked. It seemed like a good idea when I wrote it down. (laughs) And when I read it back, so I pitch it always, I always pitch it to my wife and she's like, that is nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Next one, guys. The next one will be gold. I promise you guys. You just got to go for it, you know? Just do it. Just do it. It's true. It's true. It's true. So this next fact is a little bit eerie uh, considering you know what's going on out there in the world today but James Cameron said that um, not only was the biker bar scene filmed across the street from where LAPD officers were beating up Rodney King but they were filming there the night of the beating that was like what no way that's insane wow which made me wonder like did they see it happen and like I don't know then I start to ask questions that I probably shouldn't ask so that's just crazy Cameron's original pick to play the T-1000 was rock musician Billy Idol. Oh, jeez. And storyboards had the robot resembling him, but a serious motorcycle accident prevented Idol from accepting the role. Then uh, James Cameron thought of casting Michael Biehn in the role with the explanation that Skynet managed to clone Reese's body and use it for a new Terminator. He wisely dropped this idea after deciding the audience would find it too confusing. Now, I wanted to ask you guys. Was could Billy Idol or Michael Biehn have been a better T one thousand than Robert Patrick? I I think Billy Idol would have been a unique choice, mm-hmm. but Michael Biehn that that concept I, I'm glad they dropped it because it yeah. would have been confusing. Mm-hmm. Not not for the sake of him not being able to act like well in it, but it was it would have just made the story kind of go in a direction where you're just like, what the f is going on? Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think? You guys are shaking your heads right now. That would have been super confusing. I'm yeah. so glad they didn't do that. But I don't know. To me, he he is the T1000 to yeah, me. He is. Like he is. He was that's just who he is. I don't know. I don't I don't know if anyone else could have I mean, I'm sure they could have uh, well, they probably could have pulled it off, but I don't know if it would have the same impact that kind of stoic just yeah. robotic dead inside acting yeah. <laughs> yeah dead inside soulless yes <laughs> what's interesting is i feel like this is the opposite this the juxtaposition with this film versus what we just talked about with mm-hmm. back to the future with a serious actor and mm-hmm. a comedic actor uh, flipping it the other way mm-hmm. trying to have this comedic personality against this robotic personality mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. That would have been strange. It would have been. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked. They would have yeah. wasted four million dollars and then come back. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying Michael J. Fox could, couldn't have played the T1000? <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy can do anything. Yes. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Ah! <laughs> oh my god! Now I'm a doc. Take off your I'm clothes. a match. <laughs> I need your. I need your pants and your jacket. All right, guys. So. Oh gosh. Still need for. <laughs> So only for Terminator 2 took so long that by the end of shooting, Edward Furlong noticeably aged and his voice changed. I don't know if you guys, how many times have you guys seen this movie? Did you notice this before I even mentioned this factoid? Did you notice no. that at some point? Really? Okay. No. Anyone notice this I, at all? I mean, his voice was cracking more. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that. Mom! Because yeah, at, at a certain point, it's like, she's going to blow him away. He's going to blow him away. You know, yeah, when she yeah, does that, yeah. that line. Yeah. And I was kind of like, is his voice changed? Like, what's going on exactly that he's, he sounds weird all of a sudden. But, yeah. um, but I didn't notice that he aged particularly until mm. you said that. Yeah. <laughs> you notice that scene where he was like, hey, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> no one noticed that scene? Oh, I missed that one. I yeah, missed that okay. one. Last little fact here. <laughs> This is pretty cool, I think. This uh, so blew it, my mind. Yeah. So Linda Hamilton has a twin, and she was used in the movie, especially in that scene at the end where yes. the T-1000 pretends to be Sarah Connor and calls out to John. And then we see behind her that the real Sarah Connor is standing there with a shotgun. I had a literally, like, I was watching that scene a couple of times because I was like, wow, they did a really good green screen. I'm just trying yeah. to see, all right, well, where would they have cut it <laughs> and all this stuff? And then once I saw this fact, I was like, no way. And I wow. watched it again, and I realized, ah, okay, the sisters actually, they, they switched. They, they, they kept Linda Hamilton as the T-1000 yeah. in that moment to have the up-close uh-huh. one, and then had her sister in the back mm-hmm. with the, uh, with the uh, shotgun. Yeah. And then when he says, get down, John, it cuts to John, cuts back to her. Then it's Linda Hamilton again taking place of her sister. Because yeah. they are twins, but they don't look like 100% like Of course, identical. yeah, yeah. And I thought that was brilliant. That's crazy. Like really crazy. Yeah, really yeah. good directing and being able to edit that. Yeah. Yeah. And last little tidbit here. Um, so AFI recently released a list of top 100 heroes and top 100 villains. There is one character that made both lists, and that is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. He made the top 40 in both. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, I know that we all probably watched this when we were kids. So Cliff, uh, what do you think of this movie? I think... There is a difference with rated R and PG-13. And I think this is one of the instances where darker doesn't mean better. Mm. And so when they lightened it up a little bit, uh, mm. it really like kind of soared and mm. reached out to a different audience mm-hmm. that was able to appreciate it a little better. You yes. know? And I know everything right now in the current format is like, oh, you have to be dark. 
if you're yeah. gonna do a superhero movie, you gotta be super dark, rated R. That's the way to go. More bloodshed, but you don't really need more bloodshed. You just need the concept to shine. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you can reach broader, because what rated R really does is it makes it gorier or more intense, but mm-hmm. you restrict the audience, right? Whereas yeah. if you go broader with the uh, you know the rating system, then you can reach a bigger audience. And that's kind of what I think was the beneficial point of T2 was that they, they were like, let's just rely on the concept and not on the scariness and James Cameron's nightmare come yeah. to life, but more of the concept. Because people, again, culturally, people still talk about Skynet. When they talk yeah. about AI, they're like, Skynet is coming. Oh, man, it's <laughs> happening <laughs> yep. right now. And this is another movie where it is cultural phenomenon yeah. of it has surpassed Completely. time. Mm-hmm. So, Cliff, would you consider uh, Terminator 1 a horror movie or an action movie? Just want to get your thoughts. I, I would consider it a horror movie, actually. Yeah, me too. Mm. Yeah. I don't I mean, love it. I don't love watching it. I'm like, yeah. I don't feel good. <laughs> it's but terrifying. I, I'm also the person that doesn't like horror movies. I'm yeah. like, why would you pay to be scared? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what's funny is when I watched Terminator 1 for the first time and he opened his mouth and he talked, the fact that he had an Austrian accent for some reason was even more terrifying. I was like, oh my gosh, he doesn't even talk like us. Why does he speak? Yeah. Sounds like an American. Oh, yeah. I, no, I was thinking, is this like a World War II like Nazi thing where he's like trying to like 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 make us hate him or something? But oh anyway. Gosh. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so hilarious. Funny. All right, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I think what what I remember about this film, you know, I saw this actually. <clears throat> when did this come out? 1991? 91, yeah. I saw this in the theater. It's a rated R movie. I was, let's see, what was I, nine? <laughs> I saw it in the theater with my brother and my mom. She took us to watch this. And I remember at the end of it, my mom was like, wow, that was so fun. <laughs> like, this movie was awesome. <laughs> and uh, which I totally didn't expect. Mm-hmm. My, I think my brother and I, we went to like Cerritos Mall and um, we convinced her to take us to watch this film and we were like oh shoot we're gonna be in trouble afterward because it's like rated r and she's gonna think it was so bad and we shouldn't be watching these kind of movies and she was just like oh it's so fun like it was cool and there were like these <laughs> explosions and stuff i was like what the heck really and so um yeah i mean it's just so i think for an action movie it's so it hits all the right notes again kind of like back to the future does for its genre this Mm -hmm. does for its genre and it uh, kind of amazes me how good the special effects are yeah and i think because they use a lot of practical effects and honestly i prefer the special effects of this film to man almost any film that i watch today because so much it's just cgi just everything is just cg and it doesn't look real. There's no weight to the things that happen when there's an explosion, when there's a car crash, or when something happens. It just doesn't feel like there's any impact. And this movie, man, like the guns that they use in this movie, they feel like they're just like punching, you know, yeah. like they're hitting yeah. every single time when it's hitting metal. And it's it's like he's a robot and he has this, you know, endoskeleton or whatever. And, you know, you he's absorbing all the hits like you can feel them you know it's like oh he said when he uses the minigun when they're using like these grenade launchers and stuff i love that like that kind of action is gone now everything is these weird it's like laser guns and stuff it's all these like blasters and so that's one thing that i love about it it has that exhilaration factor that you get that you want in an action film Mm -hmm. 
And then the other thing that I think I really, one of the things I really love about this film is that it has such a strong female character. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, Linda Hamilton is amazing in this movie. And it, sometimes I get a little annoyed because I feel like today sometimes I don't know if they realize because they'll always say like, oh, there's no, you know, there haven't been these strong female characters like in movies. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like Terminator, like aliens, like. I don't know. Like, the, I feel like these characters, her character is yeah. amazing, yeah. like, in this film. And basically, what she is, is a mom. <laughs> she's just, like, the mom of the savior of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's, like, Mary. Like, that's her character <laughs> in this film, really. Because that's her whole role, right? It's, like, to protect her son. Yeah. You know, who is going to be the savior of humanity. And it's like she embraces that role so much. She gets thrown into a mental asylum because she's so... She knows that this is true and it's going to happen. And while she's in there, she gets freaking ripped. She's just like <laughs> working out every day. She gets buff. And then she comes out. She breaks out. And she's just like, what the heck? She knows how to handle like every weapon. She's carving things in wood with like with her knife. <laughs> like she's a beast. Like at the end of the movie, she's the one, you know, one hand like pumping yeah, the, yeah, shotgun. the shotgun. Oh, yeah. Dude, I love that. And so... Just those aspects of the film, I think the way that it's filmed and just the action and also just having that strong female character yeah. is I still love it. And um, I just think it's an amazing film. So good. Yeah. I first saw this film in a drive-in when I was 11. I was actually late to the party. <laughs> All my friends had already seen it. <laughs> uh, but my mom wouldn't let me watch it because she was worried that I was becoming too violent and I was watching too many violent things. I was really into wrestling at this point and it was it was really bad. <laughs> during playground during like recess at elementary school, I would get in trouble for doing wrestling moves on other students. So my, my mom was very, Jeez. very concerned. But actually my dad convinced her just it's okay, it's okay. So I watched this my mom stayed home as a sign of a silent protest, but I watched it with my dad <laughs> and my sister. And I was completely blown away. It was, I felt in this movie the way I felt when I watched The Dark Knight years later, where a movie-going experience had me just completely floored. I remember Cameron really took the first film and advanced upon it in every way. Uh, I knew I would be watching an amazing action movie, but I was surprised to see that this film makes a strong statement about believing in others when you've lost all faith, as well as the value of human life. I mean, who expected... that a Terminator movie can be about the value of human life. Robert Patrick was horrifying. He scared the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah. He was freaking scary. Yeah, like, he, has, he has like the scariest poker face we've yeah. ever seen. But the like, way he moves, when, just when he tilts his head, and he just it's so foreign. And when gosh. he's like throwing Arnold around, it's like, oh yeah, I could totally believe that. This guy's gonna, this guy's gonna kill the Terminator, you know? Mm-hmm. And the end was so good. This film was so intelligent as well. It's like, you know, when they beat the T-1000, like as a kid, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to live. He's going to heal up. He's going to go on a run, go on the run with the Connors. But then he does. He says this thing. There's one more chip. And then <laughs> wait, 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 like, wait, wait. Do it again. <laughs> yeah, there's one more chip. Okay. And he I points out his head. Yeah. And you're like, no. But then you're like, you realize, but he has to die, you know. And then when he says, I cannot self-terminate. You must lower me in. And then they lower him in. And he does the thumb. And you're just like, I cried. I was like weeping, you know, and just I was not expecting that element to this movie. And that's why I thought this movie succeeded and did so well and why it's so timeless. The special effects today look just as good. I feel like if someone made a movie like this today, I don't know how it could have been any better. A side note, too, I I learned was Robert Patrick, who played the T-1000. 
he learned how to shoot a gun without blinking and and he practiced that because he said if if, if i'm a robot or if i'm like uh you know without any emotion then i shouldn't there's no reason for me to blink so he learned how to not blink and not flinch basically as he was holy doing that and holy. i thought holy crap just took it to another level that's intense yeah yeah it's crazy um i i really enjoy the terminator the first one with the concept of bring potential fear of ai one day bringing an apocalypse upon humankind I, it was just something new and terrifying but like in an exciting way and hopefully it doesn't make me sound like a sociopath uh a little <laughs> wait so you want it to happen or <laughs> no no it was i'm out of like, here i just love new perspective where it, it's just it's all fiction you know it's fiction but like just being able to have that kind of adrenaline rush you're just like oh my gosh um, even though like nowadays when in our society, in our life today, like there are certain things that are happening and I'm, I'm now more like, Ooh, this is not good. <laughs> this is a little scary, but with T2, uh, it, it just, man, it took it to another level with the story and, mm. and its success as a sequel. That's rare in my book. You know what I mean? Like to have a sequel that, um, was would you say my 434% increase yeah. in, in the box stuff that that's just, that's mind blowing. Yeah, uh, I loved how it produced further cult one-liners, such as like the "Hasta la vista, baby," and "Come with me if you want to live." Like that is still here today, and always will be, I believe. I think that it fleshed also more depth to the story, creating more difficult obstacles for the heroes. Yes, an awesome twist from having the Terminator as the antagonist to the protector, mm-hmm. and and just to flip that on its head, I thought, yeah. wow, w- w- how brilliant is that? Yeah. So, I really think yeah. the start of the whole anti-hero movement kind of started here. I mean, we've always loved anti-heroes, but like just seeing like the ultimate bad guy be the ultimate good guy was so cool. You're absolutely right about that. World. Yeah, because in the first Terminator, I was like, like as as everyone else was saying here, you know, it's like you guys were terrified. It was terrifying. Yeah. You know, it was so scary. And his and accent then, made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did she talk like that? <laughs> I am terrified. <laughs> but like you watch T two now, and and you're in love with yeah. Schwarzenegger. You love him like being the protector now and you're just like wow like w- how crazy that you were able to change my emotions from how i felt from the first terminator yeah so i wanted to ask you guys before we give our final uh, rating of the film does this movie still hold up today absolutely yeah I, I, well i think from what uh joe was saying earlier about the visual effects and the, and and uh and all the production in that sense like again from a technical standpoint like the special effects have transformed to what we now see as visual effects and what i mean by that it's like you're going from animatronics and props everything built uh from the ground up to major green screen and digital and so I would say that T2 was the road to lead up to what we have now and not so relevant as much. So it's kind of like just like I, I will say that I miss live props. I miss real like actual uh, animatronic and things being made rather than having the actors have to imagine as they're in the space of green screen uh, a world that we have today. Um, that That's the only thing that I would say that like it's not relevant as much now but like mm-hmm. I, I i just think that it was that lead that road that led mm-hmm. us to there you know mm-hmm. um it was the inspiration and you know with the concept of tra- time travel again i think it's for this one i think it's taken a more sophisticated and, and like molecular approach right it's something so different and like super yeah. like crazy like oh wow these guys just literally transported a naked robot body to <laughs> the past uh you know and it's just like okay that's one way to also time travel i guess you know so 
Yeah, it's it's more it's reason? more menacing. It's like a little bit more menacing. Is there a reason they're naked? What is the reason? Did they explain that? They said nothing inorganic can't come through or something like that. But isn't isn't? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's cotton organic. I, I don't know. Technically, but technically it is right. They're like, but they're like, oh okay. I guess maybe but because I, they're I robots, know. it's like they'll just find like they're just killing machines. So they'll just go and just they just want them to do the task, I guess, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, if you need to find like, yeah. And I think there's I think there was a purpose for Cameron to do that, obviously, because obviously you have the whole your clothes. Give them to me. Like, it's just funny, you know, <laughs> like it's just I think it's hilarious. All right. Well, that sounded more Jean-Claude than, than Arnold. I have to say. <laughs> say it one sorry. More time. Let's, sorry. I did say, a blood spore. Say it again. <laughs> your clothes. Get them to me. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good Jean-Claude. I don't want to hurt you. I just want I to don't. eat. <laughs> hurt. Hurt. I like hurt. that. Uh, hurt you. All right, gentlemen. Before uh, we go too off the rails here, I wanted to ask you guys your final review of the film, or final score of the film. So I'll start this time, and then I'll hand it off to Will. I give it five stars, hands down, one of the greatest action films of all time from one of the all-time great filmmakers. It took an already great premise and loads it up with meaning and strong thought-provoking themes. It's riveting from beginning to end. And yes, I consider it a perfect film. So next, Will. 4.5, I agree with everything that you said. And I think that it is such a great original idea. Um, and it really led the way, like I said, to the production and the um, just the enhancement that James Cameron always lives by. And that is always increasing and pushing forward new ways to create uh, art and entertainment in film. Um, and I just think that it was such a brilliant and awesome, great film, especially the fact for T2 that you were you were once afraid. Now you're in love with mm. with the Terminator. Yes. Good point. All right. Joe, what do you think? I'm going to give it a four point eight five. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, specific. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Only because I think it's. It's amazing, obviously. It's an amazing action film. It's not quite perfect in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, there are just little things that I think don't quite hold up today. And even little things in terms of the ways that... Like, I love the way that they did practical effects and, and special effects. But, like, even when I watch this movie on DVD, there's times where I can totally tell it's not Arnold. <laughs> like, when yeah. he's on the bike. Yeah. He's <laughs> just like... I'm like, dude, who's that dude? It's like, it doesn't look like You're Arnold You're talking about the storm drain, right? When he launches off. Yeah, the, uh... yeah. When he's... Yeah, and the, the whole scene. You know, I'm just like, what the heck? And that's just, like, DVD quality. It's yeah. not even Blu-ray. It's just back then, I was like, already, oh, wow. We've just gone from VHS to DVD, and I can tell, oh, that's not Arnold. Oh, that's not Arnold. <laughs> like, there's all these scenes yeah. where it's like, oh, okay, that kind of distracts me a little bit when I watch it. And Stop there's ruining things. my childhood, Joe. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Mike. But there are, little, there are little things here and there. Mostly, It's mostly forgivable, but that just don't make a ton of sense, like how they leave the arm in the thing and how, you know, like they go through all this trouble to destroy the arm and the chip, but then they leave his other arm, you know, in the thing. You know that it's there. And there's like just... Even the the phrases he uses, like I don't get it. He has he has all this knowledge of of human anatomy, but he doesn't know what crying or smiling is. Like, how does that make sense? So there's just these little things that mm. like bug Stop me when Joe. I watch makes it. Sense. <laughs> that makes <laughs> sense, Joe. Wow. And like even even uh, just some of the like okay, hasta la vista, baby is a it's like an um, it's a pop culture moment, and people have used and reused 
you know, some mm-hmm. of that stuff. But when I think about it back now, I'm like, I felt like it was cool. But now when I watch it, I don't really feel like it's cool. I just feel like it's kind of cheesy. But that's how I feel about a lot of the things I think that James, James Cameron does in his movies. Oh, poor Myron. But, but I forgive a lot of that because it's so smart. A lot of the things that they do, like the way that they use the, the abilities that the Terminators mm-hmm. have. Yeah. And even I love also, this is something I love that I wish more movies did. The fact that they gave him the limit of not being able to kill people mm-hmm. because that's like one of, you know, He's Asimov's kind of like mm-hmm. laws of robotics. It's yeah. one of the things that make robot movies good because it gives them these limits that they have to follow. Yeah. Otherwise they just become these killing machines. Like it would have fixed age of Ultron, but <laughs> it's like, Cause he has to like shoot the tear gas and then he pulls off the guy's masks, you know, while he's just getting shot. Like stuff like that is so amazing. It's smart. And when, uh, you know, the T-1000 jumps into the helicopter and then he just like morphs into yeah. the yeah, thing and throws apart. It's like things like that are so smart. I wish more movies were smart and they use that kind of, they use the limits to their advantage mm-hmm. instead of just doing like dumb stuff, like all the other Terminator movies, basically. I mean, one and yeah. two were good. And then all the other ones, Basically, I had no idea what they're doing. They, they just have no <laughs> rules. Like, they're all stupid. And it's just, you know, I wish they did more stuff like that. But that those little things is why I can't give it a 5. I'll give it a 4.85. Okay. All right, Cliff. What's your rating of the film? I think I give it 4.5 stars. Okay. Uh, again, great, wonderful movie. Um, one of the greatest, scariest villains ever. You fall in love with a machine. Twist ending, action Skynet. But I just feel like I can't recommend it to everyone because mm. I know there are people that will nitpick it or there will people that like will Joe. Just, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm like, Oh, well, this guy, of me when he makes not, recommendations. He's not, he's not going to like it. I'm just like, he's not going to like it. He's going to nitpick it. He's gonna be like, dude, why'd you make me watch this? So for that reason alone, I comparing it to back to the future, whereas I would have 100% confidence in anybody will enjoy it. Uh, I don't have that same confidence with T2 at this point. If it was okay. back then, I would I would have given it a five. Okay, got it, got it. Thank you for your reviews. We're going to close out our episode with some fact or fiction. Now, we had some fun with this uh, last week and as well as the week before when we hit Andrew on when we were talking about The Dark Knight. So we're going to play some fact or fiction. We're going to talk about Terminator 2 and also Back to the Future. So let's kind of make this a speed round. Everyone just chime in with what you guys think. And uh, I have some surprises. I sent you guys this list. I have a few questions that aren't on there. So we'll, oh. we'll see what you guys say. Yeah. All right. Fact or fiction. Terminator 2 is better than Terminator 1. Fact. 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 All right. I say fact as well, but just barely. Next question. The Back to the Future trilogy is one of the top five best trilogies ever made. Fact. 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 Yes. Fiction. Ooh. <laughs> so, so I, I had to really think about this, and I was like, okay, we got Top Star five, Wars. Though? Yeah, okay. Star Wars, Dark Knight trilogy, Indiana Jones trilogy, and then there was one more trilogy. Or maybe I have to put it in there. But Indiana there was, Jones yeah. isn't a trilogy anymore, not with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. No, so, so we're talking the, 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 the first three <laughs> movies that, that were meant to be a set, right? Okay, you know what? I, I'll, I'll go fact. I had another movie trilogy <laughs> on there, but I forgot because it. Because you so. knew you couldn't. Don't, don't cave, Myron. Just hold yeah. your position. Hold I, your I was stance. Just, <laughs> I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be like millennial and be like anti. He's going to say the anti- Mighty Ducks. D1, D2, and D3. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, shoot. Everyone, it's fiction now because you, you mentioned the Mighty Ducks. That's funny. 
All right. Back to fiction. Terminator 2 is the pinnacle of Arnold Schwarzenegger's career as an actor. Fiction. Ooh. Ooh. I, I said I, 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 I think so. I, I don't know. Is that, that a question or, or an answer? I, I'm Ron Have you guys seen Jingle All the Way? I mean, what a performance that he gives, okay? He is Turbo Man. <laughs> I, I, oh. I, say, I say fact, but barely. Okay. I go fact. Yeah, I go fact too. I mean, he had this crazy run here. I was looking on his IMDb page. I'm just going to pull it, pull it up here. So he had Predator. a run in the 90s of... Predator, Twins, Total Recall, Kindergarten oh, Cop, Terminator 2, and True Lies. Skipping He's over the last action hero. Yeah. That's a crazy run. The bridge and I feel is like out. The bridge is the out. Bridge is the out. bridge is out. <laughs> Get the sausage. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> Just make up stuff. I, at some point, I knew it would come to this. Four guys. <laughs> Factor fiction. Back to the Future is the pinnacle of Michael J. Fox's acting career. Fact. 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 It's All one right. of his first Fact. films, isn't it? First films, yeah. Yeah. That, is there that, anything else in contention? For Michael J. Fox? Probably not. No, Spin City? Is- Yes, he did have Spin City. But you have to remember, this year he was on the number one comedy and was in the number one movie in America. And that's pretty amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Fact or fiction? Terminator 2 is James Cameron's best film. Fiction. I think fiction? Ooh. Fact for me. Fact for me. Okay. I'm not a huge James Cameron fan. Really? Okay. No. All right. I think he's the LeBron James of the movie world. Ah, who is who would be the MJ? That I don't Chris know. Chris Nolan. No, uh, maybe yeah, but he he doesn't really win a lot of. You know, he he yeah. just gets the box office. He gets yeah. the box office for sure. For yeah. sure. All right, I think I know what you guys are going to say to this, but I had to throw it in there. Back to the Future is Robert Zemeckis's best film. Fiction. Fiction. Yeah, it's got to be for fiction. Me. So. The Terminator franchise offers a much more believable take on time travel than does Back to the Future. Back to fiction. Oh, uh, fiction. Fiction? For Terminator? Yeah. Dude, fiction all the <laughs> way. It's, Terminator has the worst. I think the Terminator time just. Travel. Yeah, I think they just go into it saying there's time travel. That's if it. The, if the Avengers happen, don't it. say terminator during their time travel thought dialogue they used hot tub time machine and didn't use terminator (laughs) all right so let me ask a one-off question hot tub time machine has better time travel logic than terminator it does (laughs) way better it's way better it does all right so moving on with what we know now about time travel which is nothing occupying the same space as the past version of yourself would lead to a cataclysmic event that will tear a hole in the space-time continuum and end all life as we know it. Fact or fiction? I don't think it would end life. I, I would say fiction. It wouldn't end all life as we know it. Wait, are you are you asking for real? This is like in real life. No, just I'm just riffing here. So like, yeah, just, okay. <laughs> this, this what is, do you this think? Is, this is time cop, right? This is the time cop yeah. <laughs> logic. Yes. <laughs> no, that, it would that's just, it would just create another rules. line. Of, yeah, that's. Of, 
our timeline. Yeah. yeah. So this is what uh, this is what Emmett Brown tells Marty. Like you can't see yourself, otherwise it would just be lead to like a tear Look, in the space. Captain America saw America's ass, and he was fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was fine. So the, what I'm getting at with this question is this: I feel like at some point, maybe in the last ten years, before that, it was time travel was just one timeline and now we were introduced to the fact of multiple timelines and alternate realities i think we saw some of that in the avengers movies we saw some of that in star trek and then there's that scene where old spock talks to young spock and they kind of talk about back to the future indirectly saying you know people told me that you know if i was to you know be in the same area with you that terrible things would happen but who cares it's kind of like we're going to take the back to the future logic throw it out the window because here, you know, we're, we're just going, we're just going to go with this. We don't but have time for talking. details. We Even in details. Back to the Future 2, Jennifer saw Jennifer and they were fine. Yes. Hey, that's, that's yeah, true. That is true. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. No, you're right. Yeah, they just fainted. They that's fainted, what Doc so, actually says. He yeah. says, either it'll destroy the universe or you might just faint. <laughs> that's what he says. And she says, I'm old. I'm young at the same yeah. time. And they faint. Yeah. All right. Factor <laughs> Fiction at Universal Studios. The Terminator 2 experience was far better than the Back to the Future ride. <laughs> if you guys went on it. It depends. Like, I mean, those are two totally different like experiences, yeah. though. Uh, we're talking about two. Even though they're both time travel films, like you're, one's one's like action packed. The other one's like comedy in a sense. Like, yeah. Or, yeah. Like, I, I love I, I love the Back to the Future ride, even though I like, loved it, like, too. Even yeah. though like I threw up every time afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so I say fiction. I like Back to the Future far more than the Terminator 2 ride. Mm, okay. I never went on the Terminator 2 ride, I don't think. It's not really so... a ride. You sit in a theater, kind of. Oh, well. I'm, I'm for the Back to the Future one. I've okay. been on that, and I yeah. love it. I'm going to go Dark Horse. Disney's Honey, I Shrunk the Kid ride Ooh. was better than the other. <laughs> Wait, I, even I, more I, than the Michael Jackson? Okay, maybe that, one is, maybe that one is the goat. Captain EO. So, Captain honestly, EO, so Honey, I Shrunk the, the Kids ride, the, the rats just kills me. When, it's when that, so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take it. All right. So you guys can plead the fifth on this if you haven't seen it. But fact or fiction, Terminator Dark Fate is a fitting follow-up to the first Terminator films. Which one is Dark Fate? It's the new it's one. the most recent one. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, Cameron uh, produced. Yeah, and I he endorsed it. it. No, I have okay. not seen it yet. Actually, right. I, right. I so couldn't I watch it. anything after three. Got it. I was like, no. I saw almost all of them except Salvation. I didn't see that one, mm-hmm. but I say fiction. Okay, not a not a fitting follow up. I say fact. Wow! Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> you guys should watch it. it. It's actually an interesting take on on the Terminator series. It reinvents it. Uh, action is amazing and also Cameron endorsed it and actually was a big part in writing the script and Linda Hamilton is back playing Sarah right. Connor so I hey, thought have it was you good seen, um, have you seen Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles yes it was terrible the TV show <laughs> <laughs> I, I give it bonus points for having the girl that was on like Firefly but beyond that it was terrible did you guys watch it did you guys no, like it I, no? I, I only seen I maybe like a I, I refuse to watch yeah. anything Terminator. <laughs> okay. The, the, ti- the time travel in Terminator is just... I can't. It's, I can't. it's so screwed up. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Just got a few more questions here. Fact or fiction. Claudia Wells was a better Jennifer Parker than Elizabeth Shue. Fact or fiction. Claudia Wells played Marty's girlfriend in part one. But she left 
because she wanted to care for her mother who uh, got cancer. So she wanted to spend time taking care of her, and that's why she couldn't come back for the later, later so two movies. You say Claudia Wells was a better? Yeah. Factor fiction. Uh, she was a better Jennifer Parker than Elizabeth fact. Shue. Fact. She was so much more hotter. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree. I was like, I once facts. I saw once I saw Back to the Future 2, I was like, who the freak is this Jennifer? That's not Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She brought like a she brought a comedic twist to it though, but I was like, no, bring the old Jennifer back. She was freaking nice mm. to look at. <laughs> so I say fact. <laughs> what do you guys say? The original was better. That's the question, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I say fact also. Okay. I'm gonna go fiction here. Ooh. Because it worked out. Yeah. It all worked out. You're a karate kid guy, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. You like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like to redo history. I don't, I don't like okay. to do that. Got it. All right. Three more questions left. The last two weren't, was not on the original list. Or maybe none of these were, actually. Um, James Tolkien is playing the exact same character in Back to the Future as Principal Skinner that he played in Top Gun as Maverick's commanding officer. <laughs> exact same character. You're a fact. slacker, McFly. <laughs> it's wow. a fact. I think actually, yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. he is the same character. That's what he did when he was younger. Yeah. And then he went to flight school yeah. and he started teaching in flight. Well, he was a pilot first, <laughs> then he was a principal, then he went to the flight school. I think that's what makes it. Do you know in that in Back to the Future when he's chewing out Marty at the yeah. beginning? Yeah. No, Mar- like, dude, no McFly principal? ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill <laughs> Valley. What principal yeah. does this? It's intense. He's like such yeah. a jerk. It's so really like, a student. So I'm just saying, 1980s, I think, was a bad time to be a high school principal. You just had a bad reputation. I mean, we just talked like The Breakfast Club. That guy yes. was awful. You yeah. know? Oh, he's terrible. Yeah. yeah. All right. So two more. And we're going to go to the NBA here. So uh, I'm going to ask this to the SBR guys here. Um, with only eight games remaining, fact or fiction, the Clippers will still load manage Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> fact. I think That's... he's going to play every third game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the schedule is like, but if they do have a back-to-back, it's a fact. Yeah. He, he, he's I, I think it's play. I think it's something like eight games in 14 days. So I was like, yeah. But that, there's no they, way. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last one before we end this, guys. This was fun, by the way. The last one. Fact or fiction? The Lakers will win the NBA championship. That's a fact. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, everybody. 100%. All right. That was our episode. Thank you guys so much for for being a part of of this. Before before uh, we close, I want to say congrats, guys, on making it 26 episodes. Thank you. Uh, They say after seven episodes is the barometer before you actually decide to keep it going. So really proud of you guys. Keep going. It's, I know it's hard, but they say it's like pushing a boulder up a hill, but once it gets rolling, uh-huh. then you get the momentum. So uh, keep it going. It's awesome. Uh, keep thanks, it up. Thanks, guys. And Appreciate you guys said it. that we're probably never going to ask you back. I was thinking we probably need to run this back maybe in, in a week or two. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Found. see what your listeners we'll say, okay? <laughs> we'll see. All right, that was our episode. Thanks again to Joe and Cliff for joining us. And uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks so much. Woo-hoo.